Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. As you were leaving for your overseas trip, there were reports that were surfacing that your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. Do you think that that might incentivize more people to come over illegally? If you guys keep sending that garbage out, yeah, but it's not true. So this is a garbage report? Yeah. Okay. So $450,000. Per person. That's not going to happen. That garbage report was from the Wall Street Journal, by the way, but he was comfortable calling it garbage because Fox, of course, just only deals in made-up stuff. It's not a real news network at all. Some of the lefty news networks are scrambling to fact-check the president, saying, oh, yeah, yeah, he was just disputing the figure. He's just, you know, they left this on set. He's just kind of senile, and it's difficult to follow what he's saying um they didn't say it in those words but that's what they're saying it was unclear that the president specifically meant the figure the uh, dollar amount but that's what he meant if we pay illegals four hundred and fifty thousand, if we even pay one illegal four hundred and fifty thousand dollars people's heads are going to pop off well how about how about let's cut that number in half two hundred and twenty five thousand for some poor person from Guatemala, I'm rounding up my kids and my wife. I'm heading north today, if I hear that. Well, to discuss that unholy prospect, uh, we have invited onto the show Congressman Tom McClintock of the 4th District of California, who is, as I understand, introducing legislation to say that ain't happening. Congressman, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine, thank you. But uh, <laughs> I'm just as, as 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 flummoxed by this as, as anybody else. This, this this is the most insane policy I've I've seen the government pursue ever, and, and that says a lot. Yeah, it does. Well, the if if the ACLU and all of their their bearded lawyers are have decided that this is a righteous cause and that they're going to get justice for these poor illegals and they're going to sue the hell out of the feds, is there a chance that this is like financially a better idea? Uh, no, uh, for for several reasons. First of all, this this is uh, supposed to compensate uh, illegals who who again crossed our border in violation of our law because they were separated from their minor child when they were arrested for the crime of crossing the border. Now, remember, if you're arrested with a child, uh, the child's, uh, you're immediately separated from your child. The, the, you're, you're, as an adult, you go to jail, the minor's taken into protective custody. That's the way it works. The penalty for illegal entry is a fine and a prison term. And what this is doing is turning it into a million-dollar jackpot. Our bill simply says... You can't you can't negotiate this behind closed doors. Either bring it to Congress or take it to court. But you got to do it in the open. Wow. Okay. I like the feeling of that. Let the American people see precisely what's going on. Because as we know, all of us assemble and everybody listening knows the the uh, consensus among the American people to have control of the borders is well into the 80th percentiles. It's everybody agrees on this. Yes, and, and, and we had control of the borders under Donald Trump because he was actually enforcing the law. Uh, not exactly a radical concept. Every other country in the world has immigration laws, and every other country in the world actually enforces them. And when we enforced ours, we got back control of our border. Illegal immigration slowed to a trickle. Uh, and then Biden was elected, reversed all those policies, and now we have had the largest 
illegal incursion of our border in our country's history this year, 1.7 million encounters. And what really concerns me, when, when they surrendered Bagram Air Base, uh, that included the Par 1 detention facility, that's between five and 7,000 of the most hardened terrorists on the planet were being held there. They were released because of Biden's policy. We know what happened to one of those uh, uh, the thousands of, of terrorists. Ten days later, one of them uh, detonated the car bomb that killed uh, 13 of our servicemen and women at Kabul airport. What we don't know is where the other five to 7,000 are and what they're doing, but I'll bet you it's a very good bet. A number of them are moving right now through our southern border into our country, and we're going to be hearing from them soon, and it's going to be horrendous. Oh, boy, I hope you're wrong about that. We're talking with Congressman Tom McClintock, Republican of California, who I'm surprised has time for us because I know some pretty major votes on legislation are coming down today that we'll ask you about here in a little bit. But on this uh, this money for illegals thing, I just got to believe politically. I mean, there are reports from Politico and others that the Biden administration in-house, they, they really see this border as a vulnerability because his approval rating on the border is like 20% now. But if if taxpayer checks start going out to illegals in amounts that are being talked about, politically, that would just be a disaster, I would think. Well, no, this is a very deliberate policy. Of, uh, I, you, know, the, the, if you, you can't attribute it to, to, to incompetence. Uh, it, it, is, it is far too pervasive. This is a deliberate policy. To, to flood the nation with a uh, uh, with millions of foreign nationals uh, who are uh, uneducated, uh, impoverished, and dependent upon government, and to give them a, a pathway to citizenship uh, very quickly. In fact, one of the provisions in this bill, uh, this reconciliation bill, uh, would would uh, do that for about eight to ten million illegal aliens who are already in the country. Now, just take that lower figure, eight million. That is the entire population. That's every man, woman, and child living in Alaska, Vermont, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Delaware, Rhode Island, Maine, and Montana combined. Wow. Wow, that is stunning. Hey, uh, another border issue, um, the uh, the scourge of drugs on America's streets, this new meth that's chemically different than the old one. There's a fabulous new book out, The Atlantic, published a huge, a huge excerpt. It causes people to develop serious mental illness, not in months or years like the old meth, but in weeks. Plus, you have fentanyl, which is killing tens of thousands of Americans. Were it not for the COVID, we would still be talking about the horrific toll drugs are taking on our streets, hard drugs. How much of that well, is coming across the southern border? Oh, um, most of it, and and, and it's, uh, it's 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 exploded this year. I mean, that's what the border patrol is telling us. Uh, again, when 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 our border patrol agents have to process literally thousands of illegals coming into this country every day, uh, they strip the border of uh, patrols, and the result is we've got huge gaps uh, on our border that the cartels are moving through. We've got about uh, an estimated 400,000, they call them gotaways. Those are illegals who have been picked up on video or have been tracked 
but the Border Patrol uh, hasn't been able to intercept them because they are literally processing thousands and thousands of illegals a day uh, at the Rio Grande. And uh, th- this is completely out of control. And, and, and this is, by the way, still the, just the beginning. Gallup tells us, uh, by their polling, there are 42 million people living in poverty in Latin America and the Caribbean who intend to come to the country uh, if they can, and they are. And that doesn't include the rest of the world. Well, you know, we're encountering people from from all over the globe uh, who are flying into uh, Mexico on tourist visas and then taking a bus to the border and entering illegally. Uh, and, and again, we've now broken all records on illegal entry into this country under this administration. And if you ask them, they'll they'll tell you why. It's because we can. Hey, Jack, before we move on to the votes today, I've got one more one more question about the border and, and every aspect of this we've discussed, Tom. How much of this are the cartels aware of? Oh, the, the cartels are making a fortune over this. I think the estimate was a half a billion dollars a month just just in traffic, the, the human trafficking. They're making more in human trafficking than they are in trafficking drugs, according to the reports I've seen. Wow. And, and so, by the way, these, these migrants then come here deeply indebted to those cartels, you know how those are enforced? They're enforced by the gang activity. And, again, more human trafficking. Well, I, I learned on one of my border trips, when we take a child and place them uh, in a, in a, uh, uh, with a relative or a friend in this country. By the way, we make no effort to send them back safely to the country they came from. All of the efforts are directed at placing them in the United States. And once we've placed them with a family in the United States, there's no more follow-up. So we don't know what happens to that child. We have it's, no border. It's just mind-boggling. Yeah, we have no border. Um, we will stay on this issue. we got to ask you, because you're going to cast a couple of votes today for a couple of giant pieces of legislation, including the Build Back Better bill, which, uh, according to news reports, Nancy Pelosi is going to put to the vote today. I don't know if you saw the New York Times article that's out today that says the $1.8 trillion Build Back Better bill is really closer to $4 trillion. The New York Times says that they're using budget gimmicks to uh to cloak the fact that it's a four trillion dollar bill have you seen that yes i have are you planning uh, to vote uh, yes or no on this one? <laughs> uh, i i think maybe the first thing we ought to ask is well how's the last two trillion dollar spending bill working out don't forget we did that back in february over republican objections and, and it turns out all that free money is very very expensive and you're paying it back every time you go to the grocery store or, or the gas station um, meanwhile inflation is silently hollowing out everybody's savings and retirement accounts. I mean, the, the inflation was 5.4% uh, last month, and it's rising, which means if you manage to scrimp and save and put $100,000 towards your retirement, the Democrats just took $5,400 of that because your savings now buy that much less. So uh, uh, doubling down on policies that are destroying our economy and destroying the quality of life for Americans is not a really good idea. It's not a coincidence that the purchasing power of American families has declined every single month since Biden took office. You talk about build back better. I've got. How about this? Put things back the way they were before you broke them. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. No, seriously, so- I mean, it was the Trump policies that produced the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years, the fastest wage growth in 40 years, the lowest poverty rate in 60 years. That wasn't an accident. It was because of the tax and regulatory relief uh, that Republicans won during the Trump administration. Uh, Biden has reversed all those policies. It shouldn't surprise us that it's reversed all the progress. 
Hey, we just have one minute left, but judging by what you've heard around the uh, the halls of Congress, is there any chance this this debacle gets passed? Well, uh, funny you should ask. Uh, uh, they've kept the roll open on a motion to adjourn for the last hour and a half, two hours or so. So it's very clear the Democrats are trying to uh, uh, twist arms to get the votes. Uh, if they had the votes, we'd be voting on it right now. Mm. In fact, not tells me that uh, we, you know, they, they may not have the votes, particularly after last Tuesday. I think there are a lot of Democrats are saying, wait a second, not only are these policies not working, the public's on to us and they don't like them. Congressman Tom McClintock represents the 4th District of California. Tom, keep fighting a good fight, man. These are, uh, these are times when we really need folks like you. Well, thank you, guys. All right, we'll talk soon. A lot of good stuff there, all that border stuff and everything. But I just, I'm trying to figure out what the strategy is going on. Nancy Pelosi might, it's possible she just, look, I don't have the votes. I know I don't have the votes. I'm going to put it out there. People will see that it fails and realize, look, we didn't have the votes. That might be just what she's doing. Yeah, yeah, that motion to adjourn or whatever he called it. I think that's that's the, all right, we're done talking about this. Let's vote, vote. Um, and they can't get enough votes to do that. Yeah, and, you know, the, the, all the talk of she's a brilliant strategist and she never puts it on the floor unless it's going to win, blah, blah, blah. That That's mostly true, but sometimes you're just given a an S sandwich right. and everybody's pressuring you to, okay, look, hey, everybody, you want me to put it out to a vote? It ain't going to pass, but here you go. And, uh, you know, maybe she called uh, AOC into her office and said, all right, hey, pinup girl, I'm putting it on the the floor. You and your Marxist buddies, you don't have the votes, so let's vote now. Let's do it. I'm tired of this. Yeah, well, we'll be following that because it's going to happen while we're on the air. Text line 415-295-KFTZ. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Colin and Donna Craig Brown weeding in their New Zealand garden when his hoe hit something huge. I got the fork and jabbed into it and hoiked it out of the ground and holy snapping turtle teeth. What's going on here? Colin scratching away some of the skin and tasting it. Sure enough, a potato. And it might just be the biggest potato in the world. The Kiwi couple lugging it into their garage where it weighed in at a whopping 17.4 pounds. The current world record holding potato weighed under 11 pounds. The couple now waiting to hear back from Guinness World Records. <laughs> the enthusiasm from that announcer. <laughs> like Wow. <laughs> yeah, that reporter, that's it. this is his Emmy right here. Well, the reporter's reporting it like they discovered a talking dog or something. Well, it's just I, a big potato, man. I mean... <laughs> You've got the world record for potatoes has just been exceeded by 50 percent, which is astonishing. And yet I don't care. Yeah, exactly. It's astonishing, but it's still just a really big potato. So it's not a talking dog. It's not. What did he say? 16 pounds? It's not a human that can fly by flapping his arms. Yeah, 17 pounds. How about I just buy like four four pound potatoes? It's a really, really big potato. Big potato. Of course, Good. the best part of it is that uh, New Zealanders are saying, holy snapping turtle teeth. <laughs> wow, that's our first Southern Hemisphere edition of Colorful Hick Theater. <laughs> holy snapping turtle teeth. <laughs> 
I got I to gotta adopt that expression. That's fantastic. <laughs> Holy snapping turtle teeth. We haven't gotten to the new revelations in the Durham probe of the beginnings of the Russian collusion hoax. Folks, it's getting close to Hillary. Okay. It is now, and and what the FBI knew and when they knew it is getting naughtier and naughtier. We'll bring that to you in a couple of minutes. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll get to that next segment. Got a couple of things got to mention. Congratulations to Sand. Sand was officially inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame yesterday. I'm sorry, did you say Sand? Sand. <laughs> kids have been playing in sand for a million years. <laughs> since Since kids have existed. Yes. Um, but Sand just now made it into the National Toy Hall of Fame. And we got this text, apropos of nothing, and actually I was thinking about ordering Chinese food tonight, in which I would, of course, ordered sweet and sour pork, which is what I always get. We got this text. By the way, Jack, sweet and sour pork is Americanized, invented by Chinese cooks in the gold rush era, using leftover undesirable meat that they had to cover with so much sauce that nobody would would notice how bad the meat was. Yes. That's clearly. where sweet and sour pork came from. They had to come up with a sauce so strong that you could really put it on anything and make sure. it edible. Yeah, those last snippets of meat that they were too ashamed to serve in any other form. Yeah. Exactly. Got a little hoof, a little testicle, a little whatever, oh, and you, you slather you it. it was hoof. <laughs> you slather it in the sweet and sour sauce, and, uh, and it all tastes the same. Yeah. What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? That's exactly. correct, sir. Um, so, uh, Britt Hume is saying there's a whole bunch of news organizations that might have to give back their Pulitzers. Holy after, snap and turtle teeth. After their, uh, their news stories turn out not to be true around the whole steel dossier, Russian... The whole thing was so phony for so long. And who knew it and when is the truly damning part of it, I think. Yeah, whether it's the Clintons or the FBI or whoever you're talking about. If you can't hang around and listen to it, you can grab Armstrong and Getty on demand wherever you like to get podcasts. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The allegations in this Christopher Steele dossier, and you went through the timeline very well a few moments ago, are stunning. There are actually substantial portions of what was in the Steele dossier, which was a raw intelligence document that have indeed checked out. Based on our own reporting and word from numerous official sources, the dossier, in fact, is far from bogus. I think we're going to actually have to stop calling it the infamous dossier. Mm -hmm. Increasingly, it's the accurate dossier. There's your cable news jerks in years past explaining how the Steele dossier was a rock-solid document of intelligence gathering. That last guy there is one of the uh, Lincoln Project thieves who is all on all the uh, liberal channels talking about the Steele dossier. Wow. The Wall Street Journal's got a great piece for from Kimberly Strassel out today as uh, old what's-his-name was arrested. What was the guy's name? Uh, Igor Dashenko, the principal source that Steele... Christopher Steele used for his dossier. He is a Russian national who reported all sorts of fictional conversations. Yeah, uh, her first paragraph is, The nation argued for five years over the infamous Steele dossier, the document on which the FBI relied to investigate Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. It should have been called the Clinton dossier, as John Durham this week obtained an indictment for Igor Denchenko 
a Russian who provided information for the dossier. He's charged with lying to the FBI. But the bigger story of the indictment is Democrats' central role in every aspect of the dossier and the FBI investigation from the very beginning. Right. The FBI interviewed this guy fairly early on. The timetable's a little confusing, um, but they put off, for some reason, interviewing this guy for a very long time after they'd gotten a couple of FISA court renewals for surveilling the Trump campaign. But it became clear the moment they talked to this guy that he was a crackpot, that everything he said was unsubstantiatable. And yet the investigation marched forward even as they knew how phony the Steele dossier was. I mean, they knew top to bottom that it was a pile of garbage. Let me read a little from the Washington Post, just to give you an idea what a big deal this is. Denchenko's information um, is valuable. The 39-page indictment unveiled Thursday paints a more detailed picture of claims that were allegedly built on exaggerations, rumors, and outright lies. This is from the Washington Post, who ran with this story for years. The indictment is likely to buttress Republican charges that Democrats and FBI agents intentionally turned up cheap partisan smears into a high-stakes national security investigation of a sitting president, you think? And the Washington Post goes on to say, the allegations cast new uncertainty on some past reporting on the dossier by news organizations, including the Washington Post. Wow. So they're saying, yeah, we and a whole bunch of other people were way wrong on this thing. Every day, every day with the salacious headlines were just so the unraveling of the Trump administration. Any moment now, they're probably going to walk in the White House and arrest the the gentleman. And everybody knew it was crap from the beginning. Remember, Bob Woodward said it was a garbage document from the beginning. It should have never seen the light of day. The New York Times is still trying to minimize the awfulness of their reporting. They're saying the dossier played a vivid role in the Trump-Russia affair, but was largely peripheral to the official inquiry. Really? That was the basis for the FISA court thing. It was stated many, many times that without it, they wouldn't have been able to get the FISA warrants. They needed it to get the FISA warrants. This, This Here's my takeaway. I'll jump to my takeaway. Well, I got two things. One, I don't think anything will ever come of this, because nothing ever comes of anything. Nothing ever comes of anything, fast and whether it's Fast and Furious or Benghazi or whatever they investigate, nothing at the end ever comes to anything. Nobody ever really pays a price for any of this stuff, which pisses me off, but that's just the recent history. Well, this Dushenko guy's paying a price, and he worked with Fiona Hill, close to the Clinton campaign, who, was, uh, who testified in the, uh, the impeachment uh, proceeding, the first one. This is getting close to the Clinton campaign. You well, might be right. I, I hope I'm not, but just in recent scandals, nobody big ever goes down. You might get a Scooter Libby, you, if you remember that one, and you might get this Dushenko guy, but none of the big names attached to these things ever pay a price. And here's my other takeaway, and I've thought this from the beginning. I just believe this is true. If the federal government decides they want to investigate you, they make up a reason to do it, and they can investigate anybody they want, anytime they want. They can look at your emails. They can tap your phones. They yes. do whatever the yes. hell they want. Yes. When <laughs> Hillary Clinton. Yes, yes, yes. I think the FBI, I think the federal government, it's the NSA, FBI, whoever, I think they, they, they look into your private life whenever they feel like it, just based on, I wonder about that guy. I think that's what they do. Yeah, one of the more notable aspects of the coverage of this in the mainstream lying media is that they are now stating as fact, as if they've always been stating as fact, that 
The so-called Steele dossier, which was uh, financed by the Clinton campaign. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Where have you been for the last four years talking about this? You didn't mention that in 2016, 17, 18, 19, 2020. You just figured that out? Really? You lying liars? Well, it's hard to say where this goes. Um, the the chain of lying includes somebody named PR Executive One, uh, uh, who is not named but matches the career of Charles Dolan Jr., who was the state chairman of the Clinton-Gore campaigns in Virginia in 92-96, was appointed to a position in the State Department in the Clinton administration. Um, so it's getting closer and closer to the Clinton campaign but, again, this guy, he's getting charged with lying to the FBI because he, he's apparently a congenital liar. He can't tell the truth. He made all this stuff up for the, the dossier just because Chris Steele said, look, I need something crazy sounding. And then he lied to the FBI about it. But nobody's gotten charged with actually materially doing anything, as usual. But so all these news organizations that won all the Pulitzers because they have a source tells the New York Times, a source tells the Washington Post, a source tells MSNBC, a, tors, a source told me, says Adam Schiff, for years and years and years and years, where this, where this one step closer, to, this weekend is the weekend that the Trump had fight the whatever for years and freaking nothing. And we'll never know what the one term Trump presidency might have been like if they hadn't been fighting this bogus story the entire right. time. And listen, I'll, I'll speak as a guy who's an avowed conservative, but a guy who tr- I, Trump made me crazy on a regular basis. Still does, by the way. But given how volatile he is and, you know, uh, he's, he's, he's uh, easily provoked, in my opinion, if he hadn't spent his presidency fighting against a a lie... A series of ridiculous rumors that everybody involved in persecuting him and his administration knew were lies. If he hadn't spent the four years doing that, how would that have changed his demeanor and don't behavior? Know. I we'll don't think we know. will never we'll never know. No, I think it's a question worth asking. And a giant chunk of the populace that was like, I don't know, sounds kind of true. And I, I see it on TV all the time. You don't know how many millions of votes it, it mattered to either. We'll never know that. Right, right. So coming up, uh, we've got a lot of great stuff for you, including Ron, Rand Paul and uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, round four or whatever it is. Um, gosh, we've got, uh, oh, John Recorder, the, uh, the, the black scholar, lighting up the whole crowd, just takes them down. Brilliant stuff. We'll have that for you. Quick word from our friends and sponsors at Car Shield. If you get hammered with an unexpected big car repair, and this happened to all of us, right? At one point or another in our lives, you lose your money, you lose your time. Well, not if you're covered by Car Shield. Their administrators make it super easy. Car Shield administrators handle the paperwork and expensive payments, so you don't have to. No hassles, no headaches. CarShield could save you thousands. They have different options to fit your budget or the car that you've got, whether your car has 5,000 miles on it or 150,000 miles. They've got different monthly, month-to-month coverage options to fit your budget. And um, you get to choose your mechanic. They handle the paperwork, as Joe said. It's fantastic coast-to-coast roadside assistance also. Yep, over 1 million drivers are protected by CarShield. You could be next. It's a win-win. Car, go to carshield.com slash Armstrong to see why CarShield cars go further. You can save 10%. That's carshield.com slash Armstrong. A deductible may apply. carshield.com slash Armstrong. Oh, boy. It's Friday. i got a zillion things to get in before the end of the week, including, I mean, some COVID stuff, which is, I mean, it's kind of the same old in, in some ways. Hawaii. 
cases plummeting. There's practically no COVID in Hawaii. They're holding out all their virus restrictions. One of the most locked down parts of the world, uh, the Bay Area, uh, cut back on restrictions a little bit. They got rising cases. They're going to put them back in effect in spite of some of the highest vaccination rates in America. You know, in the Bay Area, your five-year-old kids got to show their COVID papers to go into a store. Yeah, I was about to mention that. So this whole kids' shots thing, I don't know. I've just been kind of ignoring it, but I think time is up. I'm not going to be able to ignore it anymore. i got to figure out, am I going to get my kids the vaccination or not? So, um, yeah. There, the, there's, there's a pretty serious crisis with unvaccinated workers who are quitting or being fired, adults. There's going to be an enormous crisis when Mr. and Mrs. America, who don't follow the news every day, realize, wait a minute, next Tuesday my six-year-old has to have the shot or they can't go to kindergarten anymore? People are going to go nuts. A huge percentage of Americans is totally unaware of this, I guarantee you. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, because when uh, the vaccine became available for me as an adult, I immediately was looking into where where can I get it and when can I get it. But I haven't been with the kids. I've just been kind of thinking, I've been putting it off. And the rubber's going to meet the road here real soon on you can't go in into any business, depending on where you are, without showing a vaccine card for your kid, or you can't send them to school. Yeah, check your local listings. Obviously, Idaho is very different than Cal Unicornia. You know, North Carolina is different from Florida. So, uh, you know. Read up. Boy. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. we got to play again later. If you haven't heard Microsoft's introduction to their big conference yesterday, it is hilarious. Woke corporatism. Just absolutely hilarious if you haven't heard this. Maybe we'll get to that to uh, kick off hour number three. Sure, and why don't I pay off for you then uh, The uh, why John McWhorter, one of America's leading scholars, explains why he's anti-anti-racist. It's good stuff. If you can't listen live, just grab the podcast on demand later wherever you like to get podcasts or follow the link at armstrongandgetty.com. The last one was the Thrilla in Manila. Do we want the fourth bout between Dr. Fauci and the curly-headed Rand Paul? We've got that for you coming up also. Holy Stay snapping tuned. turtle teeth. Holy snapping turtle teeth. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Fireworks on Capitol Hill on the inside today between Republican Senator Rand Paul and White House Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci again. Paul says Fauci is changing the definition of gain of function research following revelations the National Institute of Health, NIH, funded virus studies in China at the Wuhan lab in order to, and we paraphrase, cover his behind. Until you expect, accept responsibility, we're not going to get anywhere right. close to trying to prevent another lab leak of this dangerous sort of experiment. You won't admit well, that it's dangerous, and for that lack of judgment, I think it's time that you resign. It makes me very uncomfortable to have to say something, but he is egregiously incorrect in what he says. Thank History you. will figure that out on its own. Dr. Fauci says the NIH is no longer funding research at the Wuhan lab in China. Yeah, History will why. figure that out. Yeah. Rand Paul says. Yeah. Well said. Well said. A couple of big pieces of COVID news. I know we're all sick of it, but Pfizer with a new COVID-19 pill cuts the risk of hospitalization or death by 89% in uh, at high-risk adults who get diagnosed. You take a it pill. within three days. It's a pill. Right. 
Yeah, that is the key. It's not some sort of rare, difficult to find intravenous, got to be in the ICU administered thingy. It's a pill well, you pop. Second. You take this after you catch it. Uh yeah. So like when I got when I realized I had COVID, I would have taken it right away. Interesting. Let me make sure I'm thinking of the right drug. Yeah, it's actually it's it's similar to the um, oh, what's the term? It's really similar to the uh, the drugs that turned HIV from a death sentence into an inconvenience for oh, wow. most people. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, why don't they have that? Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're not all chemists, but um, it know, has to do with the way vi- viruses uh, replicate and that sort of thing. You know, on the whole COVID thing, so like um, an aide to the president turned up, had COVID yesterday, who's traveling with the president over there in Glasgow for the uh, climate change thing. But these people at the highest level, or if you're a celebrity with gazillions of dollars in connections, you get all kind. you catch COVID, you get all kinds of treatments, whether it's ivermectin like Joe Rogan, or they do the, uh, what's the uh, clonal stuff? Uh, oh, mono, monoclonal antibodies. If, if you got the right hookup, there's all kinds of things they can do for you. But, you know, I contacted my health care provider and they, had, they, they were like, you know, drink lots of liquids <laughs> and be yeah. really sick for a while. So if you got the right hookup, there are drugs out there you can take. I, they weren't available to me. Maybe I didn't pursue it hard enough. Here's one other thing I thought was interesting. So Charles M. Blow of the New York Times, he's a columnist who I find highly annoying a lot of the times. Anyway, he tweeted out yesterday, he's got the map of COVID across the country and all the yellow across different places, including a lot of the South. And he actually tweeted out himself, I'm mystified by how these southern states have such low rates of COVID when many of their governors haven't followed CDC guidance. Someone please explain this to me. Okay. Um, uh Charles Cook of the National Review tweeted back, yeah, sure, it's because beyond the vaccine, which does work and may save save your life, he's pro-vaccine, he, but he said, beyond the vaccine, there's no meaningful link between COVID-19 and public policy. It's all superstition. Right. That's my current theory. The masking, the distancing, the all the different stuff outside of the vaccine is just hocus-pocus. Right, right. Now, speaking of the vaccine, uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier in your blue states, now that the uh, CDC has advised little children get the jab, five-year-olds on up, a number of blue states are going to mandate it very, very soon to walk into a store. The little kid has to, well, mommy has to show her daddy the vaccine papers. To go to school, the kid absolutely needs to be vaccinated. Mandated vaccines. Why, it was only weeks ago that every, by the way, every single voice you hear in this uh, this montage is a Democratic politician. Uh, play us clip number 21, Michael. We cannot require someone to be vaccinated. That's just not what we can do. Needless to say, the right of women to make decisions about their own bodies is not negotiable. No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. Our interest is very simple from the federal government, which is Americans' privacy and rights should be protected. It is a matter of privacy to know who is or who isn't. We don't want to be mandating from the federal government to the general population. It would be unenforceable and not appropriate. Perhaps the federal government should step in and issue mandates. And if not, are you putting the needs of unvaccinated people ahead of the needs of vaccinated people? Well, I think the question here, one, that's not the role of the federal government. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory. First, we must increase vaccinations among the unvaccinated with new vaccination requirements. 
So, like so many topics, when you're talking about progressive government, which believes at its heart that the government can do whatever the government says it can do, there are no natural rights, there are no absolute limits to to government's powers, they will tell you there will be no mandates until they decide they want mandates. They will tell you they're not going to confiscate your guns until they decide they're going to confiscate your guns. It's just politics. It's just lulling you into accepting their latest dictates by assuring you that this is as far as we will go, folks. There's some place I was reading. They're looking at making, um, uh, if you if I haven't gotten your booster, you're considered unvaccinated. Yeah, and you've got to be the, fully vaccinated. So without the booster shot, you're in the category of unvaccinated and might not be able to go into restaurants or work or any of these different things. Depending where hey, we, we got- are, yeah. We got to re-mention because this is happening in real time, as they say, while we're on the air. There are two gargantuan pieces of legislation that add up to about $6 trillion of spending, according to the New York Times, um, because they're lying about the one that's 1.8. The New York Times says that's closer to $4 trillion, and then the other one that's one and a half. So $5.5 trillion worth of legislation that's going to get voted on probably while we're on the air today. And it'll be interesting to see where that goes or whether they pass or not. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I wonder. I, I'm, I'm praying, I'm, I'm thinking, and I'm hoping that gargantuan turn America into Venezuela bill has no chance. But I don't know. Nancy is evil. She's clever. She's got a pact with Satan. And then we'll just have to cross our fingers. I don't know. Burn, uh, burn a pentagram or put garlic around your neck or something. I don't know what you do. This is just out. Nikki Haley, former ambassador to the U.N. under Trump said that Joe Biden's mental state makes everyone nervous, and she's calling for mental health screening over all older politicians. You know, I just got a text from a friend saying, I'm watching Joe Biden live on TV right now, and it's just sad. People have bad health care. Yeah. Say that again. People have bad health care. Yeah. I do you still argue? don't get it, yeah. Can't argue with it, because you can't understand it. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe that's the way you win an argument. Not good. Armstrong and Getty.